Hello, listeners. Welcome to Uptown Audio News. I'm your host, Brandon Mitchell. This episode is the first of a two-part series relating to the Black Lives Matter movement. To elevate Black voices, our team conducted two interviews with figures of the Charlotte movement. We will start with a brief analysis of the movement by reporter Natalie Goretti, followed by an interview with Janica Lewis, a professor of both English and Women's and Gender Studies at UNC Charlotte. Black Lives Matter. We've all heard it, and it means a lot of things for different people. It's a mantra, a movement, an organization, even a battle cry of sorts. It's a seemingly simple statement that holds powerful implications and creates hope and possibility for many. Black Lives Matter, the organization, was founded in 2013 in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murder. It is a collective of liberators that believe in the creation of and cultivation of an inclusive and spacious movement. Their mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities by the state and vigilantes. Their website states that, by combating and counteracting acts of violence, creating space for black imagination and innovation and centering black joy, we're winning immediate improvements in our lives. We've probably all been hearing a lot about Black Lives Matter lately, and likely it's in response to the death of George Floyd. On May 26, 2020, the day after George Floyd was murdered by former police officer Derek Chauvin, Black Lives Matter protests broke out all across the country. Since then, protesting has not slowed down that much in Charlotte. Groups of all kinds of people can be seen in multiple areas of Charlotte on any given night, marching through the streets, or more specifically, their streets. Protesting has been organized by various different BIPOC-run groups and has happened all over Charlotte, from the university area to the Myers Park neighborhood. Again, the protests begin in response to the most recent wrongful deaths of Floyd, but also Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. Yet anyone in attendance knows that the true reasoning behind the movement is to rally public support of ending systemic racism in America. Police brutality is the tip of the iceberg, albeit horrific and violent. Every aspect of this country was built off of structural racism, and we are most certainly still seeing the devastating, detrimental effects of that in 2020. For many, there is a justifiable feeling of rage. Protests are incredibly important, not just as an outlet and a reason for people to organize and and to feel a sense of community, but they can make real change. And we have the civil rights movement as proof to look back on that. In The New Jim Crow, a book written by Michelle Alexander, she explains that a new public consensus comes from policy change, yes, but it also needs a social movement and protests to actually form that new public consensus. Going out in the community and protesting has been a really important experience. And again, there was a palpable feeling of community, change-making, solidarity, and a commitment to continued learning and unlearning and accountability and radical change in the way of systemic racism and racist policy. In Charlotte, different people likely have different emotions and different ideas of what the protests mean for them. But collectively, there is an undeniable feeling of being a part of history and a part of something much larger than oneself. Here is UNCC's Dr. Janica Lewis, professor of English, on Black Lives Matter, protesting and change-making.
What's happened recently has been probably very different than Black Lives Matter or or social justice movements of the past and even the past seven years or so. Among my generation and others, really, um, their social media has become a hugely important platform and space to kind of be an activist and, and share a message or, or resources or these important stories that need to be shared. How do you feel about that? And do you think in general, young people's involvement or student involvement is important to the movement? I think student involvement is absolutely important, and not only in terms of contributions, but in terms of creating what is visible um, in the current uh, Black Lives Matter movement. I've been in Charlotte uh, for almost 11 years now, and so I was here um, in 2016 after the murder of Keith Lamont Scott, and seeing Charlotte Uprising bring people out and bring people um, together in terms of responding um, was one one very visible aspect. And even now, I think the same organizations um, and uses of social media in terms of Facebook and Instagram and um, not on on uh, TikTok and other other sites, <laughs> but possibly those as well, have been the ways that the message has gotten out. So absolutely in terms of young people and, and students being the driving forces of the current um, iterations of Black Lives Matter movement. Have you been to any protests this time around? I have. Um, I was out actually between Charlotte, Concord, where I live, and um, and Harrisburg. In the in the beginning um, of June, I was was out uh, in Charlotte, and uh, one night it was it was maybe the second week in June. I think it was June eighth. Um, there was the NAACP uh, march. The Charlotte. Uprising mm-hmm. uh, present has been been pretty consistent, and there were just a number of groups and organizations that you know were, were coming together um, to to be heard. And so, what I saw that was different this time was that neighboring areas were were, were doing the same thing. Not that you know there had not been been protests and responses um, in the past, but just this concerted effort to move you know where people are. Um, So not just one central response, but all over, I think, uh, has has been been more visible this time as well. Yeah, I've actually noticed that as well. Um, In my experience, I've been going downtown, but I have heard that they're, you know, happening in all these like kind of like niche neighborhoods all around Charlotte. So that's really, I I mean, I don't really remember uh, the Keith Lamont Scott ones very well, but it seems like that is kind of a more maybe sustainable way to make it last, which was going to be my second question, just kind of how do you think we can keep the momentum going? Um, Because I know there was so much involvement all across the board uh, right off the bat this past month. And that's a great question. I think there can't just be one response um, one time. And it's hard when things of this magnitude, when violence of this magnitude um, is visible, but it's important to remember that it's always been present, and that's the thing that has has really spoken to more people um, this time around. It's not like okay, well, once you know this incident is wrapped up, we're back to normal. It's an idea that so much is being exposed um, in cities, in towns, in small towns, at workplaces, and in institutions, and I think the the visibility of just how much 
race and racism, anti-blackness is detrimental to all of us has been present this time. And so in terms of sustainability, I, I, I think it's going to be an effort that continues because I mean, we are so connected to, you know, what, what stemmed this time from um, a series of incidents of anti-Black violence, but again, has been part of the history of America. And so I, I hope it has to be, I hope the responses have to be, um, have to continue and have to, to, to be sustainable. I think what's important um, is that it can't just be a certain group that is, you know, thought to be victimized or, or affected when specifically um, with the murder of Ahmaud Arbery, this mm-hmm. idea that anybody can, can kill somebody and, you know, and probably like for whatever they're doing. Um, and then with John George Floyd that followed and, and a number of, of incidents of, of trans people mm-hmm. getting killed. Um, it's just... You can't be human and ignore what has been going on, but especially recently. So um, I hope that that people will continue to feel led to respond wherever they are and not just think, oh, it's a problem for the cities. It's a problem for certain places. It's a problem, you know, for those who engage with the police. No, it's a problem for everybody. So hopefully everyone will continue to respond in whatever way they're able. Absolutely. What are the policy changes you want to see in Charlotte or the nation, you know, if any, or what what would you like to see, you know, from this? I would like to see us move beyond um, this idea of exceptionalism. So if there is, you know, one black person in the organization that has, you know, a, a high-ranking position, we're doing okay. Yeah. Um, with, you know, after uh, President Barack Obama's um, term, you heard, or even during, you heard this term, you know, post-racial. So, yes. you know, we've elected, you know, the highest-ranking person in the nation. So we're, we're beyond race. And I think this has shown us we're absolutely not beyond race. But it's also uh, not um, just an issue with the police. It's the systems that enable anti-black violence to take place. It's the systems that tell, you know, police that this is what they're supposed to be doing to protect people. And so those mm-hmm. systems are not just present um, in policing. They're present pretty much in all institutions. And so I think, you know, even in um, educational institutions, thinking about how do black lives matter in classrooms? How do they matter in the educators who are visible to students? How do they matter in who's making the policies? And and that's the piece, um, who's making the policies that is going to have to have to change. Um, so it's not just, you know, the visibility piece, but it's who is actually making decisions that are beneficial for Black lives to matter in companies and institutions uh, in everyday life. The piece that's really spoken to me, of course, is, is education and not just um, higher ed, which um, we see policies being taken to, to task, you know, even now, but also in K-12 education. What are, what are students learning before they get to college? How are Black, black lives mattering in the classroom in terms of, you know, who the students are, also what they learn in, 
and who they see. And so I think it has to be something that matters. If Black Lives Matter, how do they matter from the time a child, you know, enters the world until, you know, they retire or yeah. until, you know, they, they, they pass away. But it has to be something that is a total issue of what matters and what we value. That's interesting that you mentioned the post-racialism. I just recently bought Ta-Nehisi Coates' We Were Eight Years in Power. So I'm really, really looking forward to understanding that a little bit more because I I know that, you know, that's a common kind of misunderstanding. So, and I did just recently read The New Jim Crow, um, Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow, and that I learned so much in that book, um, like truly invaluable information. And she makes the claim that, and this is not verbatim what she says, but the that policy change is not enough to radically reform society and change public consensus, and that protesting and uh, just progressive movements are are necessary as well. Can you respond to that a little bit? Absolutely, and, and I had the um, privilege of hearing Michelle Alexander speak mm-hmm. earlier this year. Maybe it was fall when uh, Queens University brought her, and the Ninja Crow is such an an, an important text because it reminds us that um, Jim Crow policies that were you know created to keep blacks on the lower socioeconomic status Mm -hmm. are still present in different ways and specifically looking at carceral policies and so you know when we think about this idea that mass incarceration and carceral systems were created to maintain racial and social hierarchies, we have to look at the, the ways that we, you know, uphold them, right? And, and yeah. the ways that we um, continue to use these same um, policies that were created to keep a particular status quo, you know, how we invest in them, how we fund them. Um, and so the protests, the, you know, think pieces, the calling to task institutions all over the place, it's all part of a larger conversation that says, how are we continuing to, to enforce um, anti-blackness? How are we continuing to, to enforce racism and, and discrimination? And um, to um, even think about Coates' work, uh, how are we continuing to promote this idea that we have engaged racism in a way that we can be post-racial, and, and we have yeah. it. So I was, I've been saying um, since uh, uh, President Obama's presidency, you know, how can we be post-racial if we're not talking about race? Oh my God. And we're right. just starting, to my mind, for this generation to have the conversations about race. And I've gotten a, a lot of questions based on my children's book and based on my research on black women and freedom as well, you know, how how do you have these conversations? And so it it just reminds me that we're just beginning to talk in a way that's really representative of understanding what is going on right now. So we're early (laughs) for this generation. We're early. And it's important for older generations to pass on what they know, what they experience, because we're also not talking across stories right across eras um so all of these conversations and all of the ways that people are showing up um are are necessary is there anything else you want to add or words of inspiration for potential activists that might be listening or anything like that i 
think that whatever people have to say, it's important to say it in whatever way. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, signs and, and, and we can't, you know, escape the idea that we're also still in a, a, a global pandemic. Oh my God, so, right. <laughs> I mean, even the question of, you know, where do I show up? It's both physically where do I show up, but how am I making my presence known? Social media, um, how am I educating uh, myself? And education is so important. The Charlotte Uprising held a series of People's University um, events out at Freedom Park, and um, yeah. I did go to one of those. And, and just the numbers of people, you know, it, people want to learn, but also not thinking, okay, well, it's someone else's responsibility to be the voice. It's somebody else's responsibility to challenge policies. It's everybody's responsibility. Um, so just the encouragement to act where you are and, you know, not just wait on someone else to make change. Well, I really appreciate this. I would love to listen to you talk about it all morning, to be quite honest, but I, I know your time is valuable. So thank you so much. Well, I um, definitely have another conversation at some point. And I would thank love you for that. what you're doing and send, you. you know, anything my way that, that I can circulate. Yeah, I'm going to make sure to send you the, the final thing too, so you can, you know, listen to that. Um, and I hope we're, I, I don't know what to say about the fall, you know, maybe I'll see you in person at some point, <laughs> but right. safely, well, hopefully. You know, we'll see how, how things go. <laughs> we will for sure. Thank you so much, Dr. Lewis. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Natalie. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Again, that was Natalie Goretti and Dr. Janica Lewis. Thank you both. Now, reporter Madison Dobrinsky will offer a summary of the Black Lives Matter movement within Charlotte, followed by an interview with Wilfred Nagby, a member of the Black activist group Million Youth March of Charlotte. Although the current protests began because of the death of George Floyd, the Black Lives Matter movement is not new to Charlotte. Four years ago, activists in Charlotte were protesting the shooting of Keith Lamont Scott, which occurred in September 2016, just down the street from UNC Charlotte. From the shooting came two major nights of protest in Uptown Charlotte, which led to many arrests, the use of tear gas and other forces by police, and the death of activist Justin Carr. George Floyd's death led to protests across the world. In Charlotte, many activists continued from 2016 to protest police brutality yet again. The protests in 2020 have had many different people, organizations, and communities in attendance. One of the most involved organizations has been Millions Youth March of Charlotte, a nonprofit organization that formed in 2013 to bring awareness to street violence in Charlotte. The organization has been behind many of the demonstrations, including 28 straight days of marches that only had a break because of a shooting at a Juneteenth event on Beatty's Ford Road. I had the opportunity to speak with one of the members of MYMOC, Wilfred Nagbui, about protesting in Charlotte, now and in 2016, different forms of protest and their effectiveness, and how he thinks we should move forward. There are many organizations doing many different things to advocate for the Black Lives Matter movement. Demonstrations are still going on in Charlotte and in surrounding areas. The conversation surrounding the Black Lives Matter movement and equality continues far beyond this episode and far beyond these experiences, and we encourage you to seek out more stories like these. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good, good, good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. I'm excited that you were ready so quickly. Okay, so firstly, uh, just for some context, how many days? Obviously, we've y'all been taking a pause after the shooting on the Sunday. Um, but yeah. other than that, how, other than that, how many days since George Floyd's murder did you protest in Charlotte? Twenty-eight, twenty-eight days. Oh. 
would have been a month, but stuff happened. And so one night in Romare Bearden Park, uh, you talked about how it was earlier in the protest and you kind of talked about how you felt like you just needed to get kind of in the front and get a megaphone and everything. Can you talk a little bit more um, about how you started getting so heavily involved? Uh, I started getting involved. um, I was at the town hall meeting on Wednesday after being gassed by CMPD on Tuesday. And it was a guy in the town hall and he said, "Um, the youth need to stay home and let us older folks handle this because we've been dealing with this for 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 too long. And they instantly made me mad. So I grabbed a mic. I told him, you don't you don't control or dictate my future. Uh, you guys are going to end up dying soon, and I'm the one that have to live through this. So you're not going to tell me to stay home, but my future is at stake. This is then I've just been out there. Wow. So it was at a town hall meeting, like, after the bad gassing with kettling and everything? Yeah, we had called a town hall with the mayor and Chief Putney. And we was wondering why we was gassed because we was peacefully protesting. We wasn't causing no trouble. Nobody was rioting or looting, but they decided to use restraint on us. So we called the town hall to ask them why was that. And it went from there. I mean, I've been, I've been protesting for my, uh, for my black rights since what Trayvon Martin. I was out there in 2016. At the front line with the monster skills. So this time it just took somebody to, I wasn't going to stay out of it because I was like, no, Will, you got other things to do. But it just took somebody to say the wrong thing and it made me mad to where I, I felt like my voice needed to be heard. Actually, that was one of my questions. Were you kind of in Charlotte for the Keith Lamont Scott protest? If so, did you take part? But, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was one of the, I was on the front line of the, Keith Lamont Scott protest, like if you look if you look at if you look like at pictures from from twenty sixteen and you go to the little museum where they got the Charlotte protest upri- uprise um museum at you see like the very first picture taken. I'm in I'm in the front line. I'm like nine people down from Justin Carr. Rest in peace to him. But yeah, I was out there. I was got pepper sprayed, got shot at by rubber bullets and everything. How do these protests, how have they been similar to Keith Lamont Scott, if they have? They, they've been similar in the fact that it's the same thing over and over. It's always a black man or African-American man who's not doing nothing to cause trouble who's getting attacked for no reason. And it's, it's similar because in Charlotte, when Keith Lamont Scott happened, it happened in Charlotte. And there was, we was rioting and, and people was looting and everybody was angry. And then you got George Floyd's death, which happened in a different state, but he still get the same outcome because people are still mad because the city of Charlotte promised to make changes in 2014 as far as with the police brutality and, and things like that. But we never got those changes. We, I think if we got it worse than 2016, the protesting. This is the uh it's similar because it's it's a, it's protesting for the same thing but different because Keith Lamont Scott, people protested for about a week and that was it. George Floyd, we've been protesting for almost a month. Yeah, I've definitely noticed the like duration is a lot longer. I mean, rest in peace to Keith Lamont Scott, but George, it took it always takes in every revolution or every fight for change, 
It takes that one person that dies to let the world say, okay, enough is enough. Throughout the civil rights movement, people were dying, yes, nobody was listening. But when Martin Luther King was killed, everybody said, okay, enough is enough. We got to do something to make sure it doesn't, like, we, they get a little bit of change. And I feel like even though people have been dying, that there's been a lot of murders by the police of the United States versus African Americans, it took this one death of a man who wasn't doing nothing and who was literally had sickness and stuff and was being murdered and was sat on his knee and was like the dude put his foot on his on his neck for like a whole nine minutes and it took the whole world the whole world to say enough is enough and that and I think that's why spark what's going on now with all these protests and riots and stuff is because everybody is fed up now. Just because I'm curious, are you a part of any specific organizations such as like Millions Youth Charlotte, Millions Youth Mark Charlotte, or yes. are you? Yes, I am. I'm proud. Recently, I've joined a lot of organizations, but my main organization is Million Youth March of Charlotte and Salisbury. I've also linked up with the Coalition of the New South, and I'm trying to become part of the new Black Panther Party. But yeah, my organization, oh, really? the organization that I work for, is. Million Youth March of Charlotte and Salisbury. There was some controversy controversy surrounding um, Captain Coach like walking with um, protesters during marches. Um, what do you What do you think the local police should be doing um, to combat racial injustice? I think to combat racial injustice, the police not only do they need to down their size, but they also need training in how to handle. Certain people, and well, not, I wouldn't say training in how to handle certain people. They need training in how to handle citizens, period. You do not judge a man by the color of his skin, but the content of his character. If a person arrest record says he done shot and shot and shot 13 people or done been in robberies, you approach him by any means necessary with intent that he might hurt you. But if a person only have a misdemeanor larceny and you show up to his house with 50 people deep, that's not cool. I think the police need to learn, start to learn on how to judge people by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. And also, the police need to get more involved in the community in a positive way and not negative. I remember back in the day, we used to have cookouts in on Ottawa where the police would show up and we were all kicking it, cooling, drinking, smoking weed, and the police just there cooling with us, partying and stuff, you know? Things like that. The police need to be, more, be a positive force in the community because they are part of our community. It's just we don't want those races, the racism that's, that's keep going on to keep going on, that's all. So do you think um, police should walk in marches and be really involved in the protest? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Every, every, every citizen should have the right to express itself. That's like, that's like for example, if, I, if I'm going to a school and everybody is racist and, they're pro- and there are people protesting against that school and I know I'm not racist or I know that injustice is injustice, and I feel like my words need to be heard by all means. See, the thing when people get con- confused is while we was protesting, it was the protesters that kept yelling at Brad- Officer Brad Koshak to march with us. And him being the person he is, raised in an all-black neighborhood type, and he, he knows black people and understand them, he's like, okay, I'll march with you. And then when he started marching with us, then you got other organizations saying, oh, you be messing with the police. We're having a police brutality march, and you're marching with the police. In a in a march like that, where there's police brutality, we're marching to end police brutality. 
You want a police officer to stand up and say, yeah, and police brutality. You want a police officer to be on your side and say, I'm with the, I'm with the citizens, even though this is my job, but I still agree with the citizens. This got to stop because you got some officers who don't agree with what their, their uh, partners are doing. But it's like, if you're my teammate and I see you doing bad, of course, I'm not going to blurt out to the media you're doing bad. I'm going to have you back. You know, that's just it. And I know that there are, like, um, disagreements amongst the different protesters about whether or not police should be involved. And I was really just curious your take on that. What is the biggest thing, like, motivator that's kept you going during the protest? If you can think of one. Um, so the thing that kept me, kept me going through the protest is, is just, like, the amount of people that actually came out and the mixed diversity of people that I've seen in the protest. Like, you know, I just had black people screaming Black Lives Matter. But you also had Hispanics screaming like Life Matter. Asians, you had white people screaming, Caucasians speaking Black Lives Matter. And that's the problem right there, you know? That was the problem right there. I mean, that wasn't the problem, but that was that was one of the biggest things for me. And then and one thing I take from the entire protest is as we're walking down by um, Atrium Health in the, towards the Meyer Park neighborhood, it was a Caucasian older man, I say he's about 75 years old, and he was on his balcony, his pajamas, and he seen us come up. We're coming up, and we all take a knee. This man runs from upstairs, comes downstairs, and takes a knee with us, and come up to me and started crying. I said, "Man, I'm 75 years old. I've been we've been going through this a lot. I'm sorry for what my people have put you through. Your life really do matter." And that right there was all I needed. So I'm curious your opinion on the rioting and looting because I know that um, Williams' March of Charlotte is very peaceful and y'all are always aiming to be peaceful. But I went to one protest and someone was like talking about how we, I don't think it was a, I don't think it was y'all, but I'm not sure. Um, and someone said like you know we are doing only peaceful things here. And someone said but some cities need riots. And there, someone was like yeah they do but we don't. What what is oh, yeah, your yeah, opinion yeah, on rioting? Yeah, some some cities in certain cities. You need stuff like that because they're not going to listen to you, period. But in Charlotte, North Carolina, where it's a small niche community, we don't need to be destroying our community. Our anger is not towards the owner of Walmart. He didn't need no racial comment. He didn't kill nobody. Our anger is not towards Michael Jordan and Spectrum for us to loot. You know, none of that. None of that. Our anger is towards the government for allowing stuff to go on like that. My thing is, if you're going to do something to destroy something, you don't attack innocent people. You attack the person that caused it in the first place. Not, I'm not inciting that people attack the government, but when you loot and riot in your neighborhood, you're not doing nothing but bringing down the economy. And then we got to pay for that later on, and it, it, it doesn't help. It really doesn't. It's your point across, but at the end of the day, it's not helping. I remember being at that protest and I thought it was really like a good conversation that was happening when y'all were talking about peace and someone was like, but some cities need that. I thought it was a very um, uh, important conversation. Like cities like California, cities like New York, cities like Atlanta, protesting and rioting needs to happen in cities like that. I can understand why, because those are big cities. But when you got a small city like Charlotte, North Carolina, there's no way you can just protest and, I mean, when you protest and loot and stuff, 
and think it's going to help out the community is not helping out the community because at the end of the day, the community has to deal with that. So I think this is my last question. Um, you touched on it a little bit when you talked about the police, but what are the changes you want to see in Charlotte regarding policy and change? And if you have any opinions on the nation also. I want to see laws such as no choke policy each pad where the police don't have the right to choke people out when they're being searched or investigated. Uh, I want to see the police... 40% of that $720 million go, that, that goes towards the police, I want to see only 15% goes to them. I would like the, I would like the uh, laws to pass that helps out the entire community of Charlotte as far as the homeless and uh, uh, the youth. And I would like to see the police taking more more stand towards any police brutality by training their police officers more more on certain certain things that matters as far as judging a person by the content of his character and not by the color of his skin. With that said, are you more of a, like, defund the police kind of person, or do you just, do you believe in, like, reform within the police? I'll say, I'll say both. I'll say both. I'm all for reforming the police, but at the same time, the police also needs to be defunded because the more money they have, the more they increase their, their power and the more leeway and authority they get. So I feel like not only does the police need to be reformed, but they also need to be defunded so that because there's a lot of other things we can be focusing our money on than focusing on the police. As as, as you've been marching with us, you can you see that we can keep us safe. We have organizations like Wills for Equality. You know, the citizens can keep themselves safe if we're all policing each other instead of always relying on the police itself. You know, we can police our own self, so we need less police presence. So we need to defund the police and get new reforms to where the police is not all-stars no more, <laughs> basically. Is there anything else that you want someone who's kind of hesitant to support the Black Lives Matter movement? Anything else you want them to know about it? I don't know. Uh, I would like to say this. I do not know who George Soros is. I don't work for him. Uh... As far as Black Lives Matter, I didn't know that was like a whole lot like foundation movement thing. I'm really screaming Black Lives Matter because I'm a black man who really do care about his life. That's why I scream it because I've had a lot of people say, oh, you work for George Soros. I've never met this man in my life before. I don't even know who he is until last week. So, yeah, that, that that's one thing. And I would also like to say shout out to DeMarco Blair. That man needs a key to the city because... We need more citizens like him in our in our community. What did he? What did Marco Blair? If you want to educate, do if you want to educate uh, the listeners. Not only did he help prevent a confrontation between CMPD and the citizens of Charlotte twice. But that's the one that saved that stepped in and intervened between Captain Brad and the uh, uprising folks. Um, but Marco also on Sunday he not only saved my life but saved three others as well while taking a hit by by Jeep. Had he not pushed me and those three people away, we probably would have had more deaths than just four people dying in Charlotte on Sunday. I, I know the name Mark though, but I cannot picture him. Um, I definitely... He's po uh, Polo, the real, the real buff black dude that I always scream, mm -hmm. Polo, Polo. <laughs> all right. Um, well, I think that's all I have for you today. Thank you right. so much. Um, do you know when protests are going to pick back up? Yeah. Um, 
after the burial of these of these four individuals who lost their lives, we're gonna keep okay. we're gonna keep back protesting, but we have a new mm-hmm. a whole new innovative way of doing it. Instead of like just protesting every day, we're gonna try to get more in touch with the community by doing community events, getting the people to know each other and stuff. But we gotta move past protesting now. We gotta actually start mm-hmm. sitting down with the with, with these government officials actually getting things done as far as everything that we've been preaching and wanting to be done in the city. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Make sure to tune in next week to hear part two in which reporters Jacob Cranville and Audrey Wallace discuss how the Insurrection Act and mail-in voting relate to the Black Lives Matter movement. If you would like to support or learn more about this movement, there will be a link in our Instagram bio at Uptown Audio. Be sure to follow us while you're there to get updates about this podcast and others like it. Take care.